is the Stagger Podcast. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. I'm J.D. Smith. He's Derek Smith. And uh, Derek, it's time to get dirty because Bristol oh, got dirty over the weekend. <laughs> we did. We, we we got dirty. I was dirty. I told my wife I got dirty. Oh, she watched it with me. She got dirty, too. Here we I mean, go. We're all dirty. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> we're off to a good start. So yes. here's what we have coming up for you on the show today. We are going to get into Bristol and to the dirt race that NASCAR did. First time in 50 years they've been on dirt. So we're going to do that. Uh, we are also going to talk to Dan McFarlane, who is better known on Twitter as Sprint Fun. Uh, that would be like a sprint car, Sprint Fun. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at that handle. Also, SprintFun.net to see his uh, portfolio of photos that he has taken from a lot of the Ohio tracks. A lot of the sprint car world knows his work. We are going to talk to him, talk about what it's like to be in the pits or the pits inside the track and taking photos of cars flying by a few feet away. We'll get into all that and look ahead to the all-star circuit of champions. Their season starts up this weekend. So if you are a sprint car fan, or even if you're not, it's a good primer for you to get ready for that season, which runs all throughout Ohio, Pennsylvania, Really cool stuff, and we had a nice conversation with Dan. So we'll bring that to you a little bit later on in the podcast. So, Derek, uh, your initial thoughts. Bristol, Joey Logano wins. Do we dare call him Joey Dirt, a.k.a. Joey Dirte? It's French. I don't know. Joey Dirt. Dirt. What do you Joey Joe Dirt. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, he's, he's definitely showed that he can muscle the car around any track, and literally any track. I, I mean, I thought he he put on a great show, as did Martin Truex Jr., as did Daniel Suarez, and none of those people, none of those drivers, are the ones that we look at as ah, the dirt guys. Uh, those guys got collected in a little bit of some mishap with uh, Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson getting in a wreck early, and of course the uh, the 2014 uh, Eldora Truck Series race winner Bubba Wallace. Uh, he he, that dirt ringer, he was doing a great job, going to get on his way to a top five. And got wrecked, so that was uh, that was not cool. Yeah, but, that, uh, that didn't work out. He, well, he got a flat tire. I had to come in and yeah. yeah, he got door slammed by Bill Byron and cut him down. Yeah, Bill right? Byron or, uh, did. Ricky Stenhouse, one of those guys. I don't know. One of those guys I don't like. I don't know. <laughs> well, you don't like anyone that's uh, that's running into Bubba Wallace. Anyone for sure, that's running into Bubba Wallace. You know what, you know what that was, Derek? That was one of them racing deals they talk about at the oh, dirt track. I'm sure it was. I'm sure. It, well, it was. It was. A, yeah. It was a racing deal. I mean, heck, it's dirt. You see Brian Blaney's car. Oh God, that was <laughs> how dirt. that That's photo at the racing. end is just epic of him with a top ten finish, and the back end of that car looked like a, I don't know, some kind of old school modified. That it looks just, like all the scrap heads that collect all the 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 scrap, you know, the 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 sheet metal. Yeah, it's like all the sheet metal guys were already pulling it off the car in turn <laughs> yeah. three. I was still rolling around like, hey, hey, you're not, you get off here, get off here. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I got to finish the race. Don't take all my sheet no. metal right yet. So, uh, yeah, that was a pretty fun race, I thought. Overall, I did not know what to expect. We said the word shit show multiple times previewing that uh, race. But I think, well, no, like as far as that was the concern was that it was not going to be good racing. These cars weren't going to handle the dirt well. And here's the reality. They didn't really handle the dirt well. You know, they didn't get around that track very fast. Do you know what the average speed was for that race? 75 miles an hour. Oh, buddy. They would have they would have broken their necks at seventy five miles an hour. Average speed of that race was forty nine miles an hour. 
I'm not joking, man. That's the average. Now that's of course with pit, you know, with, with cautions and you know, you're running a lot of laps under caution and things like that, but they were, they were not running extraordinarily fast around there. I think they said the lap times were like four or five seconds off of what they usually run. So here's the reality, man. Slower racing can be better, right? I mean, look, if we're honest, that's people who laugh at that notion. That's what Daytona is. Daytona, they could easily run over 210 miles an hour. You know why they don't? Because they don't want anybody to die, but also because they want the racing to be good. So they artificially slow the cars down, packs everybody together, makes for better racing. And I think that's a little bit of what you had with Bristol is these cars are not fast on this track. They're not supposed to be. They're not meant for it. I I would say one big testament to that would be look no further than the number 99 track house car. Daniel Mm -hmm. Suarez led and and you could say was as dominant as any car in the field and ended up with a top five for that team, which that should have been our lead story. But how great was that for Daniel Suarez and and for for Pitbull and for Justin Marks and everyone involved with that team? um, They've got a lot of they've got some big plans there at track house and it's funny, everyone kind of like everyone kind of looked up. Oh, yep, just another another team. You know, this is Daniel Suarez's last run. He was a 30th place car in the 96 last year. Uh, this track house team's good. I yeah. mean, they, they put they, he's 18th in the point standings, I believe. I mean, he's a couple spots off of a chase spot mm-hmm. in a first year team. I mean, Bubba Wallace would love to say that. I mean, let's be sure. honest here. Yeah. I mean, well, he's not the only one. There's a few other first-year teams, too, that would love to be in that spot right or now. Or just teams in general. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole true. other story, right? But yeah. they did a great job, I thought. I thought, and and Suarez did a hell of a job driving that car. I mean, they put yeah, together yeah. a nice piece for him, and then he didn't he didn't do anything too stupid with it. He put it where it needed to be, and he he was really good on most of the restarts. The last one he, he probably would like back, but... I mean, overall, I think he was really solid for a guy who had no prior dirt experience to the last like one, six I think he days. Had one prior race, yeah, he but they the said race. it was it was in the like yeah it was in the last week. I mean, it was well, you no, know it was the truck race hours beforehand. That's what he ran. Oh, did he run he in the, the truck tr- race? Yeah, I couldn't remember. The, if he, he ran, he ran the truck race. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I I I was I think he I think he t- tested and modified the week leading up to it. Like yeah, that's days. what I'm saying. He that was his leading first time ever on a dirt surface. Was a week a week before the this big NASCAR race. So right. And, and then, and I think too, well, let's just, let's just say two things. Dirt gives us these moments that dirt makes these moments happen. I remember when Norm Benning, we've seen the truck sitting there at Eldora getting flat tires mm-hmm. from all those years ago when that first race came where he door slammed his way into the main event yeah. and had the entire NASCAR garage fixing his truck for him. That was uh, so cool. The guy who has one of the his, best moments R- ever. He has his R and B meetings at a diner in middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, <laughs> um, with a couple of his buddies. They figure out what they're gonna, how they're gonna get to the track this week. And we had what we saw Daniel Suarez. I mean, Daniel Suarez, I think, just picked up a lot of fans. I think Trackhouse sold a lot of merch. And I'm telling you right now, I am excited to see because if he can do that on dirt, and he has had the success he's had, he's he's led laps before this year uh, at tracks already. At, I believe at Vegas and a couple other places. I mean, he could he could be one of those teams that stinks out a win here. Well, uh, and don't a, forget, we we talked about him quite a bit when he you know threw up in his helmet at Daytona at the road course, right? But yeah, you know what else he did in that race? He finished like top fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, he was. With I mean, throw up in his helmet with with that going on. So then to go out and win or well win, finish fifteenth and then go get a top five like this. I mean, it's setting that team up well. I think I think they're going to have uh, make some more noise before the season's over. I don't know if yeah. they'll make the playoffs or not, but. They're in a really good spot right now. 
I want to ask you about a hot take that I saw on Twitter. Is show. it a dirty hot take? It is. It's well, it's a little bit. Um, a little, a little dirty. Our guy Tony said this about uh, one Joey Stewart? Logano. No, no, oh, just listener gotcha, Tony, gotcha. listener Tony at Slice of Tony on Twitter. There is a guy who for sure would dump somebody if it meant winning a race, and that's a guy that everybody seems to love. That's the uh, number three car, Dale Earnhardt Senior. May he Austin rest Dillon. in peace. Oh, wait. No, <laughs> the action. No, the actual number three car, the not the one that's running right car. now. Uh, so our guy Tony on Twitter said, "I'll stand by this NASCAR hot take. Joey Logano is the closest driver we have to Dale Earnhardt Senior today, and the reason for that is because, and he said this later in another tweet, he said, you know why Denny went high because he knew Logano would have punted him or threw him in the wall right back if he got around him. What do you think of that idea? Who?" Who do you think in NASCAR is the closest to what Dale Earnhardt Sr. was as far as when it comes to how they're going to race you in the final few laps? Forget Joey Logano does not have the cult of personality that Dale Earnhardt Sr. had, right? We know that. But We're talking about in the car. In the car, on the track, there's one car in front of you, there's three laps to go. What's Joey Logano? Who would do the Earnhardt move at the end of the race more than Joey Logano at this point, do you think? If it's not Joey Logano, I'm just saying, let's think of who it could be. Because what I'm saying is, and I think Tony makes a good point, Joey Logano will, does not care about making friends. He All he cares about is getting that W. And if that means you're going to get bumped out of the way a little bit, I don't think he's going to purposely just completely destroy you. He's going <laughs> to lift your rear wheels off the ground and see if you can hang on to it. And if you can't, he's going to go under you and get the W. I, I would say in the past, I would say maybe someone like Boyer could have been like that. Maybe I'm I'm leading more into the off the track stuff too, but I mean he did wreck uh, the t the number one number two place car I believe in uh, Martinsville that one year trying to go for a win. So um, honestly, I, I think I think Tony's onto something there because if, if, if Tony Stewart would have definitely been the closest to right Tony Taylor Stewart Hart, would be that have, guy, but we don't have him on the track. We don't even have Matt Kenseth back on the track, and what we had last year was not Matt Kenseth really. No, that was not um, the same Matt Kenseth. Shell of right. himself. Um, an organization reeling from what happened last year with the 42 car. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Tony's onto it. I don't, cause Kyle Bush, as much as we'd like to say that he could be like Dale Earnhardt jr. Or Dale Earnhardt senior. I, I don't think he is. I don't, well, think he's, he's not as uh, the other thing is you got to be up there. You got to be up there in the top five every week. Like ooh, senior was ooh, and burn. last two years. I mean, this year so far. And then all of last year, Kyle Bush has not been that car. Maybe he will get there at some point this year, but Right now, they, they can't lay claim to that. I'm talking about this week. You know, well, they're off this week, but next week when they go to Martinsville, right? You're down, you know, to the last five or 10 laps. There's a car sitting in first, and then Joey Logano's in second. Denny Hamlin's in second. Even Kyle Busch is in second, let's say. Who's the most likely to move that first place car out of the way? It's probably Joey Logano. And then Denny Kyle Hamlin. Busch is second, and then Denny Hamlin's probably third on that list. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list of the current drivers, and I... There's no. I mean, you can't find two more different people than like bespeckled Joey Logano up in the booth giggling at every, you know, joke that's made in the. I freaking beat you, man. <laughs> right. He doesn't have that threatening vibe at all. But would you want to be the first place car right in front of him with two laps uh, to go? I wouldn't. I mean, no. And you wouldn't want to no. be behind. You wouldn't want to be in the same position with Earnhardt either. They're very different personalities. I'm not saying that he's as great as Dale Earnhardt or anything like that. I'm just saying that that 
that mean streak of, I'm sorry, this is just business. I have to win this race. You're going to go up into the, you know, you're, well, I'm going to push you and see if you can handle it. And if you can't, I'll take advantage of it. Yeah. You know this because we went to Pocono and saw it. Dale Earnhardt Sr. was beloved by many more people than root for Joey Logano right now. Oh, yeah. But if you think Joey Logano is the only one who got booed all the time and all that, Dale Earnhardt Sr. got booed as much as he got cheered back in the day. Yep. And it was loud. And we, we, was. we forget that now, but we were at Pocono when he blew a tire back in 2000. He blew an engine. Engine tire something. Right. He, he was up in the top five. One of though. those things. Yeah, he was up in the top five running well all week or all, all race. And then every lap, man, those three fans would stand up and just woo! And they'd point to the front, which I've never understood why people point to the front. It's like they... They know where they're going. They do know they want to get to the front. But then when he came around and was off the pace, everyone else in the stands stood up and just gave it to those three fans. And that's something I will never forget. And that is <laughs> that is absolutely the Dale Earnhardt Sr. experience, obviously prior to what happened at Daytona. All right. uh, there well, was, there was a lot to that. There was a lot of people who loved him, but, man, he also had a lot of detractors and a lot of people who – you rooted against him every week, like you have with Logano right now. A lot of people root against him every week, but he's probably earned that reputation for a lot of reasons. Well, let's uh, let's have a conversation here. Chase Elliott, I know you're listening. You have this opportunity here. You got six more championships to go. You've got a rabid <laughs> okay. fan base. Just just start just start making that Hooters car look black and orange. Just like make that nine into a three. Just slowly just, morph. Know, don't, be the, don't be the most popular driver. Be the best driver. Do you want Just you want a little the, mean streak out of Chase Elliott? I want huh? a mean Chase Elliott. If you give us a mean Chase Elliott, my gosh. I mean, you're going to have not only uh, the the women demo is going to go through skyrocket to the roof and and ratings, but also the boomer men. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have a soft spot there for old Chase. They Elliott. already do. I mean, the they boomer men do. are already I mean, big Chase Elliott fans, I mean, right? Come on, they're think about it. You're going to get them off the couch and and out of their out of their bunkers, and they're going to come out to racetracks. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna go see Chase Elliott live and in color. Uh, I think that'll be great. So, I mean, my gosh, if you made a, a black nine car with a silver, like number nine, like reflective, <laughs> yeah, like that would that would be some. Oh, well, you oh, did oh, see what they're. I don't know if if you haven't seen this. Uh, Chase Elliott is going to pay homage to another legendary driver, yeah, uh, who is no longer with us at Darlington. That will be Alan Kowicki. Uh, of course, Chase has Hooters sponsorship on his car as well from time to time. That was the sponsor for the Kowicki car. So. Uh, Chase is going to run a paint scheme very similar to his that he won when he won the championship in was that 92, I want to say, yeah. when Alan Kowicki won his championship. Yeah. Um, the in the famously in the Underbird, as it was called, because he was the underdog. He drove the Underbird. So what well, Chase is an underdog. I mean, he's the no, no, champion. I'm just saying that's what the that's what that car was known as with Kowicki. But yeah, very cool that he's given some homage there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, I think it's great. And I still want to harken back to we need Mean Chase Elliott back. Like he needs to back. Be a mean you mean on. now needs to be? That's what you're saying. I mean, I mean, he needs to be that. We need a mean, popular driver. We just don't need a mean driver or drivers like ah, I'm just gonna be better on everybody on the track. I mean, enjoy the gunnel. I mean, I'm fast. Turn. I mean, <laughs> you need someone who's going to be, uh, you know, good with fans, have a great fan base. Everyone's got the hat on. If you're a true NASCAR fan. You're going to have a shirt for the driver and a hat for the driver, but you might have like, I don't know, a lanyard for your second driver. Everybody's got their second driver. We don't talk about them sometimes. Some are more open in our relationship with our second drivers. 
um, but others aren't. I think Chase I have, Elliott I have three drivers now. So I have, well, I have I mean, Tyler Reddick hey. is my main driver. Bubba is my probably second driver, but right there with Bubba is Ryan Blaney. That's my, yep. that's my third dude. That those three right there. I, I, I just, I just hate Greg Biffle. I mean, that's just the guy that I still, <laughs> you will never like let that for whatever go. reason. So you'll never, I mean, he's let gone go. and I don't know why, I don't know why I don't like him. I don't, no, I don't no. know why you don't like him either. The the iRacing of Biffles when they all ran at Daytona and they had an announcer, <laughs> they all wrecked each other. That was that your least favorite like race Biffle of all time. More, I think we need to have a mean popular driver. All right, well maybe not, not maybe hey, hey, we do. He's just very. He just doesn't know that he's mean. He's mean on the track, but then he gets up in the stands and he laughs at when he's you know doing his interviews. And did you see poor Joe Logano too? Not that anybody ever says that. He was like, hey, fans, what do you think of that? And then as soon as he was saying, he's like, ah, anyway, it was fun because all the fans were like, boom, shut up. Like he he was trying to hype the fans up and they were like having none of it. He's he's not he's not popular. He's just really good. That's Joey Logano. He's not. What what did he say uh, when he won the race? Oh, my gosh. What did he say? Joey Logano. He called it like. Oh, this is freaking sweet, man. That's just awesome. That was a great race. It doesn't sound like Joey Logano, but I like that your impression. I freaking love it, man. That's awesome, dude. It's great. It's awesome. Freaking awesome, man. I mean, gosh darn it. He's the Johnny Benson of our times with his glasses and all that. It's great. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Frick Johnny Benson. (laughs) Frick frick him to heck. Frick him to heck. I mean, gosh, it's my time. My time to shine. Yellow car is mine. Pennzoil is mine. <laughs> Legacy is mine. Back the bleep off, man. Back the frick off. Back the. I'm sorry to swear. Back the f off. You know what though? Like, great. I want Joey Logano to like be the Kurt Angle, which you don't get, but the Kurt Angle of WWE, where he's just like nerdy. He drinks milk. No one likes him because he's like clean cut, and he just wins and he wins a championship again, and everybody hates him. A heel. Uh, hold who's, on a second. Got to take my glasses off so I can. Uh, a guy like, who's look, disliked, look but he doesn't know why. Joey Logano constantly like, why is everybody mad at me? Oh, well, here's another win. Like, I like that. I want Joey Logano to be that. That is unlikable. And that's great. I love it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will go to the dirt track with our guy, Dan McFarland. Sprint fun on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We will talk the all-star circuit of champions and what it's like to photograph sprint cars next. You're listening to the Stagger Podcast. Now joining us on the podcast, he is Dan McFarlane, Sprint Fun on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Might be how you know him. Uh, if you don't follow him there, you should. At Sprint Fun on all of those is the way to get some awesome photos in your timeline of Sprint cars. And uh, also SprintFun.net if you'd like to buy some of those photos. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Well, before we ask you about like some dirt track racing, let's talk about Bristol. That was a yeah. dirt race. You are a dirt <laughs> racing fan. What did you think of the NASCAR 3,400-pound stock cars running around on a fake dirt track? Well, before, I have a confession. I didn't see the final segment, at least live. So, uh, you know, my wife is, she's pregnant, so she wanted to get ice cream after dinner. So, of course, ice cream sounded a little better than, you know, the last segment at that point. So, we went and uh, got some handles and then came back and I had seen that Mr. Logano won, which I didn't see coming necessarily. Uh, so, but you know, overall, I thought the race was entertaining. Right. And that's the goal of that. I mean, it's, I don't want to call it a glorified exhibition, but it's some kind of way it is. Right. So, 
you know, almost like how the plate races are more or less come down to be, you know, luck of the draw and who knows what's going to happen with the big one. Um, in that race, you know, you saw those, the track gets very narrow, very quick. And there's, you know, early on Larson was collected, uh, you know, with bell spinning out, there's the big wreck with, um, Almarola right at the beginning of it too, that took out a lot of cars. So, um, you know, it was, you know, I'll call it what it is a glorified ex exhibition, but that doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining. I thought it was very entertaining. I think we got to find a way to get Daniel Suarez into a sprint car. I think that's what's got to happen next. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, and the interesting thing too is a lot of these guys they don't have background on dirt, and when they kind of get into it, you know, they're like, "Oh, this is awesome." You know, the Prelude to the Dream was a big thing uh, that Tony used to put on Eldor, and that got a lot of guys out of their comfort zone into a late model, and they were kind of like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Out of it, so. You know, I'd, that'd be awesome to see him, you know, kind of come back and do some dirt racing. You know, hopefully he enjoyed it. Uh, he certainly opened up a hell of a lot of eyes and that track house team is doing really good. So, um, yeah, I thought he was very, very impressive throughout that race. We were talking a little bit at some of the racetracks, too. I, If you don't know what it looks like for a guy who shoots dirt, uh, Derek has done this, but obviously Dan does it quite frequently I mean, you, you walk across the track, you're down in the infield and a lot of dirt tracks, at least around Ohio, they're little bull rings. They're not huge tracks all the time. There's Eldora that has like walls and big fences and all that stuff. And you've got little nice holes to stick your camera through or get up on the little lift area and you can take shots down. But there's other ones where you're just standing on like a white tire and that's all that separates you and a 900 horsepower sprint car from <laughs> Who knows yeah, what? So just a little too close <laughs> and ends up skirting through. Or if they miss the turn or something, they got a problem. They got to dive in real quick to on the back stretch and try to check something, make sure that they're not, you know, uh, going to blow up or something like that. So Dan, how do you like, how do you deal with that stress of shooting while having being in the infield of a very busy racetrack? Yeah. I mean, every track is different. Like you kind of mentioned, um, a lot of tracks, they usually have workers that are pretty good about making sure you don't go beyond a certain point. So Attica, for example, um, inside the, the light poles, they kind of make a perimeter sort of, um, and you're not supposed to go beyond the light poles, for example. So workers had no problem saying, Hey, can you please back up a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where there's been situations where, you know, stuff happens quick and, you know, it can get scary um but thankfully i haven't had a lot of really mishaps and you know you kind of learn over time where the safer and the more risky spots are at tracks um and when you can maybe stand in the riskier spot versus you know um when to maybe walk away and and save that for another time there's yeah. a when there's a spot you were telling us about we won't use the term you used. Maybe the foxhole. Yeah. I don't know. Foxhole. Fox the foxhole's good. good. Yeah, Maybe foxhole's really good way. Yeah. <laughs> There's a spot at a. Do we even want to say the track? We can leave that alone. Probably not. <laughs> if you want. But Dan, you found a way where it's like off of turn four at this track. The guardrail stops from turn four, and then the front stretch guardrail starts. But there's about a three foot space in between, like Dave Matthews space between where you can just. Yeah glide out there and even during a race you can stick your camera around and get a couple photos that sounds pretty hairy to me 
Yeah, and in that spot, I really only will go there during qualifying. You know, one, maybe two cars on the track at a time. You can you can keep all the action in front of you, and if it looks like you need to bail out, you can certainly bail out. And I've had to bail out a couple times, but um, you know, it, again, it's kind of that calculated risk of that's a spot that I'm definitely not going to stand when there's a heat race going on or a feature or anything like that. But you can get some pretty awesome shots uh, during qualifying and. Um, you know, you can kind of have a calculated risk when you're standing there. So let's talk about how you got into this a little bit, and then we will get to some of the all-star discussion because I know you know that topic pretty well. But you kind of grew up around a dirt track, a pretty famous dirt track, right up in uh, Northeast Ohio. Yeah, so I grew up in Hubbard, Ohio, which is outside of Youngstown, and it's probably 15 minutes away from Sharon. And it's really maybe 30 minutes away from Mercer, too. There's, There's a lot of dirt tracks there's a lot of really awesome dirt racing history that's in that Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania region. Mm-hmm. Um, so grew up going to Sharon. So uh, my dad started taking me when I was little and, um, you know, his dad took him too. So um, that's just kind of what we did. That was our bonding. That's what we did when uh, I'd be with him on the weekends. We'd, we'd pretty commonly be going to a dirt track somewhere. So um, really, and I think my first race, and it's hard for me to go back that far, but I want to say it was like 93. So, um, you know, been doing this for, been going to racing for the better part of my life. Uh, the photography, the photography piece is more of a recent thing. So, um, that's really only been a thing for maybe the last five years of doing it, you know, to the level of having a website and stuff like that. Um, you know, really it was more just kind of me doing it on my own and, um, you know, occasionally throwing something maybe online. Um, and uh, a woman named Stephanie Linder, who uh, is very instrumental, and she was running the Attica social media at the time. Um, she was really good with kind of reaching out to me and, um, you know, helping push me and say, hey, these are great. Do you mind if I use them for the track and all that sort of stuff? And that's kind of how the photography thing grew is really um, through her kind of helping Um, get me some exposure and stuff like that. That's how it all kind of started. And then uh, from there, kind of hooked up with the All-Stars. So um, good friends with Tyler Altmeyer, who does the All-Star PR, and then Blake Anderson, who's also the voice of the Um, All-Stars. Do a lot of work with them and and with the All-Star series as well. So, um, you know, been it's been five years or so to get to kind of this point, but it's been an awesome journey and been around dirt my whole life. And if you would have told, you know, 10 year old me that I'd be, you know, talking to drivers and taking pictures and stuff, that would have been about the coolest damn thing in the world. So um, very thankful that I'm in this position and I love doing it. Well, that's what I was going to say is there's a, there's a rhythm to these tracks that you kind of learn after you go, like the first time you go to a dirt track, it's just going to be weird, you know, cause you're like, okay, they pushed all these cars out. And they started them and now they're all going back to the pits and then, and then they're, right. and then they're done and they're not, they're going to run it like 10 uh, miles an hour and then they're going to come out and they're all going to run real fast for a second and then they're all going back in the pits and then one of them is going to come out and run and they're going to do that forever. And then when, like, when did the race start? You know, like you're just, and then there's some there's, late models that come out and interrupt the whole yeah, thing. And, right, and there's right. these other cars that look like the really fast cars, but they're kind of a little bit slower. Yeah. I'm like confused. it's, so I, that's what I'm saying is like, to, to get that rhythm and to know what's going on, taking a camera is certainly a good idea if you're going to a dirt track, but the idea of like 
the people who go down and actually take these photos, you really have to know what you're doing. Because you can, I mean, even just walking back in the pits with a pit pass, if you're not kind of aware of your surroundings, it can be a little dangerous back there. So for sure, as much as we're talking about, you know, take a camera to the track, take some photos, guys like Dan, I, I mean, are essentially professionals here at this and have been doing it for a long time. One one last photo question I have for you, and then we'll move on to All-Stars. You get home from the track, how long does it take you to put together the stuff that's going to get on your website versus all the stuff you're like, eh, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> how, yeah. how long does it take you to process through all that? It, you know, it varies depending on, on the event that I was at. Like I said, you're going to take thousands of pictures probably. Jeez. The best thing you can do is delete 75% of them at the track <laughs> just because you know, there's only so many angles you can get when somebody's qualifying. There's only so many angles you can get in a heat race. Um, so what I usually try to do is my plan is always, I want to make sure you get single car shots during qualifying hot laps, heat races. To me, that's the point when you're trying to get the cars next to each other. Right. And in sprint cars, it's tough. I mean, with light models, it's easier um, you know, non-wing cars are easier. A wing sprint car, it's hard to get action that side by side. That's just the nature of the racing. Um, so try to get those shots then throughout the rest of the night. But really, you know, for me, a perfect night is coming home with five, six hundred pictures that I they look good on the back of the camera. And you never know what they're gonna look like until you get them on a computer screen, really. To um, and I have color corrected monitors, and so I can pixel peep is what they call it when you blow it up to make sure you know sponsor logos look good all that sort of stuff so usually when I get home from the race the objective is get everything off the camera and on the computer at least um, and then from there I'll do a pass through all the pictures and I'll delete out what I don't want what uh, maybe I didn't catch something uh, well you know maybe I have a cutoff tire or a wing is cut off or you know or I just have five of the same picture and I'll figure out what's the best of the five and keep that one. And I really don't need the rest. Um, so I'll pare that down. Uh, and then, you know, I'll go through and I'll edit everything, make sure it looks good. And really my editing is pretty light at this point. Um, I don't do a lot of crazy stuff like I did once upon a time with, you know, making stuff black and white and all that stuff. I can, if I need to, but, um, and then it's media obligations. So, like I said, I work with a lot of you know, Tyler with the All-Stars, for example, he has a lot of different clients that he does PR for. So whoever I'm working with for PR, I'll get them pictures sent out. Um, usually whoever kind of sponsors me for the race is how I look at it. So, um, you know, if that's the track putting me on the media list, if that's the series putting me on the media list, whoever that is, there's an obligation for you to get them pictures as well. So I usually send them about 20, 30 pictures uh, I'll submit pictures to TJ Slideways, which is a racing, a sprint car website. Uh, so TJ has been awesome helping with me as well. So I'll submit pictures to him. Um, and then, you know, throughout this whole process, I'll see something I like and I'll throw it on Twitter and tag a driver or I'll throw it on Facebook and tag a driver or Instagram. Um, and then from there, I'll get everything up on my website, start to finish, uh, from the editing process. You're probably looking at five, six hours, I would say. And again, that's if I can have that time to get it knocked out. I really like to get it done the next day because the longer it drags on, the yeah. the less fresh it is yeah. in my mind and it, it just takes longer. But it's hard, you know, have, have a kid now. So 
have a two and a half year old. So mm, trying to balance that's him, a lot. family, yeah. all that. Fun yeah. Stuff. And that, that doesn't include your time driving to the track, your time yeah, before right. the race, the actual race, right. and then your time driving home. That's just, that's post. a long ass weekend, my friends. So, we, yeah, so from, from all the sprint car fans in Ohio and around the world that check into your website, thank you for all this hard work. <laughs> and again, yeah. go to sprintfun.net and buy some of these damn photos. Cause <laughs> Dan puts in a lot of work yeah. to get these to you. So yeah, for sure. Help him out. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. And then this is more of a question like, I, I, how much do you know about NFTs? And have you ever thought about <laughs> putting putting a sprint for, uh, maybe you could be the first sprint car NFT that's out there. I don't I know. Could. Yeah, that would be I mean, awesome. honestly. I mean, think yeah. about like a, like a Donnie shots battling Steve Kenzer or something like that. I mean, that would be an, epic I have to, I have to say every time someone explains them NFTs to me, it sounds like a multi-level marketing campaign yeah. where I'm just like, it, 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 well, it's the same people. I know it's the same people. That's the thing. But it, I'm these, no offense. Anybody damn, who's doing it, there's, there's somebody's these, making millions of dollars on NFTs. God bless. If you're doing that's that, that's the but, thing. These damn TikTokers and multi-level marketer people. I, I've, I've, I've thrown shade on them for so long, but they are, they are selling someone will memes get it for a, they're selling memes for $10,000. Yeah, Dan, good luck. If you <laughs> yeah, become, if you become a multi-billionaire through NFTs of sprint cars, please don't forget about us. Like, yeah, yeah. just keep I'll us in mind. Microphone That's all. or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> NFTs will be the first step. Then I'll institute a cryptocurrency. Yes. So then yes. we'll yeah, wave sprint. The what would we call those? Cause we have, sprint. we have, sprint coins. we have Ethereum. Sprint coins. We have, well, sprint coins. Yes. well, maybe we name it after like a driver who was money. Like maybe Inter we, coin. Kinzer coins. I was just gonna say Kinzers. Yes. You, no, you, it has to be Jack Hewitt, man. Hey, how many? <laughs> like three Jacks would equal a bottle of whiskey and uh, that's I don't great. know a hospital bill. Or, I don't know. Yeah, how many Jack for a Jack and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> you can't buy it. You that's their only work for toilet bowls at Eldora. That's the only thing you can buy with them. Actually. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> that's all you can buy Jacks with. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about the All Star Circuit of Champions. That is uh, for those who don't know. That is Tony Stewart's uh, circuit. His his uh, sprint car series, I guess, that he's purchased. He also owns, of course, Eldora. Um, he drives sometimes in this series, but he is not a full time participant. But we do have the list now. There are 11 full-timers that are going to be uh, running this thing, and it starts this weekend at Attica Raceway Park in Attica, Ohio, right up on the way to Sandusky. Uh, that's Friday and Saturday, April 2nd and 3rd. So who are some of the names that uh, you're excited to see in the All-Stars this year? Yeah, the All-Stars, they really have a revamped lineup. So Aaron Reitzel has kind of been the king of the All-Stars for the last couple of years. Um, and he's moved on to the outlaws. So he's driving the, the Roth 83 this year. So that really leaves the door, uh, kind of wide open. And there's a lot of new faces with the series, uh, some returning cars owners, some returning faces, but, um, you know, three drivers that right off the bat that I think some combination of them is probably going to be your top three in the points. Um, you look at Corey Eliason. So he's coming back for his third year. Um, he was third in points in 2018, second in points 2019. He's going to be a favorite to win the points this year. Um, and the Rudine car is a very famous car that's been out for, you know, running around uh, around the country for about 20 years now. So um, really good team, really good driver. They've shown consistency. He's had the advantage of he's seen a lot of these tracks where some of these drivers are going to be going out to these tracks saying, what the hell did I get myself into? But um, Corey's kind of been there. So um, he's looking to improve on that runner-up finish last year. And I think he'll be a strong favorite. 
another driver that's going to be really tough this year is Tyler Courtney in the Clawson Marshall uh, 7BC. So Good old um, sunshine. Tyler, he's he's yeah. coming to the Wings series. This is exciting. Yeah, so his nickname Sunshine. So um, he has he was the USAC Sprint Car Champion in 2018. He was the USAC Midget Champion in 2019. And he's slowly kind of been converting over to wing racing. Last year he did mostly wing racing. Um, and this year he's going full-blown wing racing with the All-Star. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. And again, um, you know, I think he the talent is there. The team is there. Um, you know, it's just going to be a question of consistency, uh, for him and especially seeing a lot of tracks that he's never seen before. Uh, and then the third driver that I kind of have circled is Brent Marks, um, in the CJB motorsports car. So, uh, that team and Brent, uh, both separately, they've been on with the outlaws for a while. Uh, and last year they, I believe it was last year was their first year they teamed up and they really stayed. Uh, they're both, both based out of central PA. So they both kind of stayed close to home. Uh, but I think they're going to be very good this year. Uh, Brent's kind of weakness has always been qualifying, and that's really what hurt him with the Outlaws. They use a format that lines straight up based off qualifying times. You don't have that in All-Stars. You have a, a invert in the All-Stars. Um, so I think that's really going to help um, him out a lot where not the strongest qualifier, but that might actually help him where he's going to be up front in heat races and going to find himself in some dashes. And when you're starting up front in a sprint car race, that's going to help you a lot. So um, those are three teams that I would say that's kind of, to me, that's probably the upper tier of drivers that they're going to have this year. I was going to say too about TJ Michael, the uh, Texas traveler. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about his prospects? I know he uh, had some really good showings at Waynesfield. It's kind of the track that he's kind of proven himself at. He's ran a lot of the Ohio circuits and, and the all-stars are pretty heavy with Ohio uh, circuits obviously with sprint uh, speed week being here do you think that that a guy like tj michael has a chance to come out and and get a top five points position or is he still in that process of uh kind of battling up with the main guys that are uh owning the series the last few years you know i think if it was the past couple years he'd have a pretty good shot at that top five and tj has been getting better too yeah um there's no doubt about that the problem for him is he's up against the stack field and, and TJ he's ran with the all-stars. So I think he was the 2016 rookie and he ran with the series again in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So he at least has some experience. Uh, you know, you mentioned running all over Ohio. Um, he has his uh, crew chief, AJ Havens uh, has been with, he, AJ has been all over the place. Um, he's seen a ton of tracks. He's been with a bunch of drivers, most recently with Chad coming out the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the team pieces are there. The problem for him is he, it's a buzzsaw. So, you know, you start going down the list, you have Lucas Wolf, who's going to be running. Um, Lucas was the tw 2008 Outlaw Rookie of the Year. Um, you have Zeb Wise, who's a really promising up and coming driver. He's in a new team. Ian Madsen, who's been following the Outlaws the past couple years. Uh, when he was with the KCP 18, um, he's going to be on the series full time. You have Bill Baylog, the North Pole Nightmare, who yeah. has probably the best. <laughs> That's one of the best nicknames of all time. The North Pole Nightmare from Alaska, yeah. right? Yeah, he is from North Pole, Alaska. Uh, he resides, <laughs> I think, in Wisconsin now. But, um, you know, he's won 10 IRA championships. So that's a series that runs a lot of Wisconsin uh, in that area. Um, Hunter Schoenberg is, is another driver that's tough. And then you throw somebody like Justin Peck in the mix, who 
Um, he's already won twice in central PA in, in some of the hardest competition that's anywhere on the local circuit in the country. He already has two wins. I think I saw he's the winningest driver in central PA right now. So, yeah. Um, and then I don't, the last person is Kyle Reinhardt, who's, you know, another up and coming driver. Um, and I, he's really focusing on getting his sprint car career up and going. So, you know, with TJ, local guy from Ohio, certainly cheering for him and AJ. I like AJ and talk to him a lot. Um, they're so, going to have their work cut out for him if they're going to um, contend and com- contend for top tens every night. And, so and you're telling me there's a chance. There's always a chance. <laughs> well, and I think I think that's something for people who don't really follow this as much or who are just trying to get into sprint car racing a little bit. World of Outlaws travel all over the country. So do the All-Star Circuit of Champions, but they are primarily based Midwest to East. I mean, they're they're not yeah. going to travel much further than Iowa. They're going to go down south a few times, but they're mostly going to stay in that belt between, you know, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. You're going to see them a lot of times throughout that that region if you are in that region. So, when you go to PA, one thing that as you mentioned, there's a few PA-based drivers there, but PA Posse, the PA Posse (laughs) is a thing for those who are not aware. Like this is a group of guys who just run Pennsylvania and they have these big tracks, not all, but a lot of the tracks there like Williams Grove, those are big tracks that are just a lot different than what you see in Ohio. So when you go out there, it is, it is tough to beat those guys. Uh, Who do you think of the, the all-stars might have the best shot at uh, nipping those guys in Pennsylvania week in, week out when they're out there? Yeah. I mean, Corey Eliason again is probably um probably that person justin peck is showing it so yeah that's justin true yeah. Peck is out of illinois i want to say or indiana i forget sorry justin um but his team is based in central pa um so you know they're they're already showing that they're lethal out there so um you know and then obviously brent marks and and his team they're based out of central pa too lucas wolf certainly familiar that's where he's really been running the last uh probably five years or so uh in that central pa area so but you know when you're a full-time all-star driver we get to claim you as all-stars so it doesn't you're no longer part of the posse at that point (laughs) once you're with the all-stars and that's what i just need to make sure in case we got our nascar indycar imsa fans listening to this and and wanting to go out to their local regional dirt track so the all-stars come to town you you have the local guys and gals that race those tracks that go up against the all-stars that go up against the outlaws. So, and you sometimes like say if there's weather 50 miles away at Wayne County, but Fremont's nice and nice and sunny, you're going to have people going, you have an extra 10 teams going that are local Wayne County cars that might go to Attica or might go to Fremont just to get a race in. And there happens to be the all-stars there. So this is a situation where you're going to have really, really good drivers. And then, Oh, by the way, just the all-stars coming to town too. That's what I love about sprint car racing is that you get a chance to see the best of the track, the best of the state, the best of the region, and some of the best drivers in the dirt world coming to your local short track. Yeah, you nailed it. And I think that's what separates really, for me, uh, dirt track racing from a lot of other disciplines is you have the local heroes that you can go there on a Friday night and, and see and root on. And then when the big boys come to town, um, you know, they're, they're up there competing for a win too. And that's why central PA kind of has a reputation. It does, uh, because when the outlaws or the all-stars come to town, the locals are going to be there in the top five. They're going to be contending for wins. I think last year or the year before, I think it was last year, 
might have been the first year that an all-star driver has won an all-star race at Williams Grove in like 30 years or maybe in their history. Aaron Reitzel won it, I think. Um, so that just goes to show you how tough those locals are. So when we talk about the hotbeds of sprint car racing, um, you know, you have California, you have Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, but really Pennsylvania separates itself just because the locals are so tough uh, when, when the big guys come to town and, and it is not uncommon for them to be on the podium, if not winning those races. Dan, Dan's not allowed in Knoxville, Iowa anymore because he just skipped right over <laughs> if we want to talk about single tracks, Knoxville's absolutely at the top. If you want to talk about states, you know, hey, there's there's one uh, weekly track in Iowa, and it's yeah. Knoxville. So, yeah, no yeah. doubt, but Knoxville. Yeah. Knoxville's a legendary track. It's where the Sprint Car Hall of Fame is. But yeah. yes, it is the the whole scene there is not quite the same as uh, you know statewide, which you have in yeah. the Midwest. So yeah, fair point. Last question for you. If uh, somebody has never been to a sprint car race and they live in Ohio, they're kind of central, they can go anywhere. Where would be one track you would say, this is a good first track? Maybe it's not the best track. Maybe it's not your favorite track, but where's a good entry point for someone? I'm going to say Eldora, baby. So if you're <laughs> only going to one, right? So somebody kind of interested, dipping their toe in, um, you know, you never know if they're going to make a return trip. So to me, I want to impress the hell out of them. I'm taking them to Eldora for the Kings Royal. Yeah, that's wow, that's not great. even a night. No, the Kings, Royal. Kings Royal. Get oh, right wow. in there, and that is a rowdy crowd. That is mm-hmm. a fun time to be sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Eldora hey. is it is the it is the premier between there and Knoxville. I've not been to Knoxville for, from everything I've seen. Those are the two dirt track facilities in the country that just are a level up from everywhere else. The seating, yeah. Yeah. it's got modern amenities. It's it's. And then you've still got the, like we said, you got the toilet bowl drinks. You've got all kinds of little like food stuffs that are just unique to them. Like it's, it's, it's got the best of both worlds. It's small town. It still feels like a dirt track, but they also have like giant fences and you know, you know, it's going to be a pretty safe the track. Jumbotron off of turn Jumbotron, two. <laughs> Jumbotron yeah. is very helpful. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a really cool place. Uh, Dan, we appreciate it as always. Uh, this is cool. Hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. Absolutely. Please have me on anytime. I'd love to be an ambassador for dirt track racing and help get some people excited for it. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's something I've been doing for just about my whole life. Very passionate about it. Um, you ever have any questions, look me up on social media. love to help you out. There you go. Dan McFarlane at sprint fun on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, look him up and interact with him. He's a really good dude and he will help you out with getting into the sport. If you want to learn more about sprint car racing, especially if you're in Ohio, you'll probably see Dan at a track sometime soon. And of course, sprintfun.net. Hit up the website, check out all the photos, maybe buy a couple, but for sure, it'll help you become a more knowledgeable sprint car fan because you'll know some of these cars before you even get to the track. Once again, thanks to him. We will talk to you guys next week. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, leave us a rating. If you're a uh, Apple podcast user, you can do that very easily. But if you're not, that's okay too. Just subscribe and make sure you, uh, you know, tell people that you like the podcast. But subscribing is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. We will be back next week. Thanks again for listening. Till next time, stay safe and stay staggered.